learners, and welcome to Learn On Podcast. The science show by kids, for kids. I'm your host, Jhansi, and I'm here with... Sinai. Today, we have a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? I am Diana Winston, and I am the Director of Mindfulness Education at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. Awesome. So we're so excited to have you today in the first episode of our season. And today we're mostly going to be talking about a practical guide on mindfulness meditation for beginners. So the idea in this episode is to discuss the origins of meditation, the misconceptions so that you can better understand the practice, and then how to apply it. And at the end, we'll do a quick mini meditation so that you can really see how it's done. And we've talked about meditation quite a bit before, but today we're just going to really get into a basic a guide of it so you can hopefully apply it in your own life. So without further ado, should we get started? I'm all ready. All right, so we had a couple questions for you about the origins of meditation, some different forms, and really getting into the basics. So Sanai, did you want to go ahead? Uh, yes. So where does meditation come from and what is like the origin? Okay, so meditation is a big category of things, right? Just like sports is a big category, and there's hundreds and hundreds of types of sports, meditation is a big category with hundreds of types of meditation. And they're all rooted in different places. Some of them come from religious or spiritual traditions. So there's meditations in Buddhism and Hinduism and Christianity and Judaism. So meditations, you can think of meditation kind of as a, a general way of inward investigation. That's how I define it. So prayer is a type of meditation. Um, When you concentrate your mind on a word like om, 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 that's a meditation. There's so many ways to meditate. And they're originated both, well, I was saying, in religious and spiritual traditions, but also um, people have been very creative over the years. So a lot have come out of people's own ideas and practices that they've designed themselves. Right, so I think we did touch upon this a little bit in your previous answer, but what is the sort of raw meaning of meditation and what are the different forms? I like to, as I said, I'd like to define it as practices that cultivate inward investigation. And then the different forms, as I said, there's so many types. So there's meditations for healing that people do. There's guided visualization meditation. There's movement meditations like yoga can be, not always is, but it can be. Um, There's meditations that help you concentrate your mind. There are meditations that help you cultivate certain qualities like love or compassion. And then there's meditations that are connected to awareness, and those are typically mindfulness meditations, which is where what I teach and um, my sort of area of expertise. For your response in the different forms of meditations, you said about how you teach about mindfulness meditation. How can you define that? I define mindfulness as paying attention to our present moment experiences with openness and curiosity and a willingness to be with what is. So it's really about how do we live in the present moment. So much of the time we're lost in the past, lost in the future, thinking about what happened, replaying it, why did I do that, why did I say that, or planning for the future, obsessing, worrying, catastrophizing. Mindfulness is the invitation into the present moment right here and now. 
Yeah, and I think especially during these times, mindfulness and mindfulness meditation is really, really important. There's a lot of information on the internet about meditation, and most people have heard about it or maybe even have some experience with it. But what are some common misconceptions about meditation or maybe just important facts to know that can help to better understand this practice? Meditation, I mean, meditation has been researched for many years and mindfulness, which is my area of expertise, there's been, um, I don't know, about the last 30 years, the scientists have been looking at meditation and how it can impact us, both for mental health and for physical health and in other ways. And so it's very positive, but the research is really young. So for instance, if you were to, there's about five or 6,000 research studies related to mindfulness. If you were to look at how many studies are out there that says exercise can be, is helpful for heart disease, there's about 60,000 studies. So yeah, there's a lot of research on that. So that, my point is just that mindfulness is still a young field with lots of science that needs to be done. There's lots of research to do. So some of the ways that, some of the kind of ways that we've looked at it that scientists over the, over the, throughout the world have looked at mindfulness, have they seen that it's helpful for physical health, for stress-related conditions like, um, for instance, for people like ad older adults who have high blood pressure, it can be helpful or can help with inflammation symptoms. It can help with boosting the immune system, which we really need right now, of course. So there's that, there's physical health and there's mental health that can help with anxiety and depression. There's a lot of good research showing that mindfulness is helpful for that. And then there's, it can help with attention. So we did a study when I first started at UCLA, we did a study with teenagers and adults who have ADHD. And we had them learn how to be mindful. And after eight weeks, they got really good at paying attention. So if you have ADHD, you have um, a difficulty with what's called conflict attention. Conflict attention is if you're trying to pay attention to one thing, but something is distracting you. You know how easy it is to get distracted, right? But people with ADHD, it's really easy to get distracted. So with mindfulness, they found that conflict attention improves significantly. And so that, for instance, if you're sitting in school and you're looking at the board, and there's things that are distracting you, you actually can stay focused after you practice mindfulness. So that's, that's another area, so the area of attention. And then another area is, like, is how it affects our brain. So there's lots of research looking at how mindfulness helps uh, like increase gray matter in certain parts of the brain. And when they look at advanced meditators, people have been meditating a long time, they have very strong prefrontal cortex, very thick gray matter in the prefrontal cortex. And that's something that we really want to be strong. So not exactly answering your question, I'm sort of talking more about what are the benefits of mindfulness, but you want me to talk about the misconceptions too? Yeah, sure, that would be great. Okay. So mindfulness can help us in all these ways, physical health, mental health. It can help people just cultivate more sense of well-being and ease and happiness in life. And it's, so it's super good with anxiety and depression, particularly I know a lot of young people are dealing with that right now. Um, the misconceptions, so sometimes people come into meditation and they think, okay, I have to clear my mind and have no thoughts when I'm meditating. And that is just not true at all. So if people get really discouraged. They sit down, they try to meditate, and then they start having all these thoughts, and they think that there's something wrong with them because their mind won't be quiet. But nobody's mind is quiet. Whenever anybody meditates, typically in the beginning especially, your mind is thinking about all sorts of things. And 
what we do is we learn over time to have more ability to stay present. And it's just like a muscle almost that develops. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. We practice, we get, it, it's, like, it's like that ability gets easier over time. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions about uh, mindfulness meditation. Yeah, I think and we actually like to meditate together. And so in meditations, we often hear that instead of trying to control or restrict your thoughts, because that might actually only increase the thoughts, um, you can rather just see that it's happening, acknowledge it, and then let it sort of float away. And then that way you sort of naturally can control your thoughts and be more present. So that's definitely a really important point. So I think this was a really good introduction to meditation and sort of clarifying what it means in the different forms. So now we can go on to explain and dive deeper into the effects of meditation, especially mindful meditation on the mind and the body. All right, so let's explain. Sanai, did you want to go ahead? Yeah. So can you dive a bit deeper about the physical benefits of mindful meditation? Yeah, well, let's start there. So um, one of the earliest studies that was done with um, looking at people's brains and the impact of, of mindfulness meditation was done with advanced meditators. So these were people who had been living in caves for like 30 years, meditating all day long. And they looked at their brains and they compared their brains to people of the same age range. So one of the things that happens to those of us who are older, will one day happen to you, but you have a long way to go, <laughs> is that um, your brain thins out over time. It's called age-related cortical decline. So what they did was they compared a brain of an average person to an advanced meditator's brain. And what they saw was that in two parts of the brain, the prefrontal cortex and the insula cortex, they found that the brain did not thin out in the advanced meditators. They actually, actually stayed um, pretty robust, lots of gray matter. And the prefrontal cortex is really important. It's what we think of as the CEO of our brain, right? It's responsible for executive functioning, delayed gratification, working memory, flexible thinking, emotional regulation, impulse control, all of that. You guys know this, but I can see you're nodding your head. Prefrontal cortex, right? Yep. So advanced meditators seem to have thicker prefrontal cortex. Now, the thing is, you may be listening to this and thinking, so what? I've just started meditating, or maybe people haven't started meditating. But, um, but the other thing is that there's some research looking at novice meditators showing that even over eight weeks of practice in one study, 27 minutes a day over eight weeks, there was some changes in the brain in the similar areas. So we don't, of course, know if the advanced meditators had very thick prefrontal cortexes to start out with, but that's another story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So could meditation help to keep the brain healthy as you age? Um, absolutely. That's the implication that we would have, we would have like a more, more gray matter and also create new neural pathways Scientists used to think for a long time that our brains stopped developing when we were like 25. And now they know that's not true at all. So what they've, what they've discovered is that our brains continue to grow as we age, pruning and making new neural pathways, also something I bet you guys are familiar with. So if you practice meditation over time, it's gonna improve the skills. And a lot of the meditative skills, like the ability to have more calm, 
more concentration, more, uh, more what's called equanimity. Equanimity is the idea of even-mindedness and balance. All of these develop, these qualities of the mind develop as you practice. And it's really interesting to see that. Someone can come in to a, just the first time doing meditation and feel like they have no patience, no ability to sit still, no ability to be calm. But it actually, there are measurable physical changes and changes in the brain that happen over time as you practice. Right. And so um, we talked about a short-term and long-term period, what that means for the brain. But over a short and long-term period, how would mindfulness and meditation affect the body? Well, it can, it can do different things. So, um, so the, there can be an immediate relaxation response. There was someone named Herbert Benson a long time ago who developed what's called the relaxation response. So reduction of cortisol, lowering of the heart rate, sort of things that, that are connected to um, body, bodily changes related to relaxation. And then over long periods of time, we might see a bigger effect. And in fact, there's some research looking at that over long-term genetic markers for inflammation are positively affected by mindfulness. So inflammation, which we know is, you know, it's a normal body response, but if it's unchecked, it can lead to cancer and heart disease and, um, you know, neurological diseases. It seems like there's a positive impact on those genetic markers for inflammation, reducing inflammation in the body. So, you know, I remember I said there's like five or 6,000 studies. There's so many different ways that we're looking at mindfulness, not just me, but, you know, many, many centers. And I'm actually not even a scientist. I'm a person who talks to people. I'm a teacher of mindfulness. I talk to people about mindfulness and why it's beneficial. But there's wonderful studies out there looking at all the different ways mindfulness impacts us physically and mentally. Right. And I think the general takeaway here is that mindfulness can impact the mind and the body in very, very positive ways. So yeah, this has definitely been great. And we learned a lot about um, physical and mental health benefits over a short and long-term period. So now I think we can get into how we can properly practice mindfulness and meditation to have the best um, possible impact on your life. So let's start to evaluate. So now we can get into the evaluate section and discuss how to actually implement this in our everyday lives. First, I think we can quickly recap the points of benefit on why meditation is worth it. So over a short term period, right after you meditate, there is an immediate feeling of calmness, your heart rate might slow down, and there's also some activity in the brain that shows that you're just feeling more relaxed. And then for long-term benefits, your actual brain might grow and increase neural pathways, which can even help to keep the brain healthy as you age and just generally allow for more relaxation and steadiness in your everyday life for your body. We discussed preventing heart disease and even cancer, and then also reducing inflammation. Did you have anything else to add or did we cover it all? Oh, you, no, you did a great job of synopsizing that. And I would also just say it's excellent for helping with emotional regulation. So if you have, if you're, there's a lot of tools that come out of the mindfulness world. So it's not just about being peaceful and calm, because a lot of times we're not peaceful and calm. So how do we deal with anger, with anxiety, with grief? And mindfulness offers lots and lots of tools to help us with that. So that's another area that it's extremely supportive for people. Right. Okay. 
So, does meditation need to happen in a specific way or a time period for it to be effective? Yeah. Well, the most important thing is to do it in a way that'll fit into your life. So, you know, if you're a person who hates to get up in the morning, I would definitely not recommend doing mindfulness first thing in the morning. I would say wait until you're really wide awake. So a lot of people do it first thing in the morning, and some people do it when they get home from school or work, and then some people get, do it when they, um, before bed. And, um, but you can always, even people are creative about it. Some people just take a little break in the middle of the day. There's no science saying it has to be at a certain time or a certain, you know, a certain place. It's what's going to work for you. And so also that means like, where can you do it? Do you have a place? Do you have a room or a corner of a room or a place that that's going to be your meditation area? So you want to kind of start to train your mind like, okay, when I go and I sit in this chair or on this cushion, that's my meditation time. But it's really very personal. Right, of course. And um, I think you touched upon this slightly, but how can we build meditation into our schedule without taking up too much time in our lives and then, you know, possibly like getting tired of it or not feeling that it's effective anymore? How do we regulate that amount? Yeah, well, it's hard to develop a new habit of anything, (laughs) whether it's meditation or going to the gym or eating healthy or, you know, that's just hard, period. And it takes time. Um, I start people really simply. I start people with five minutes a day. And then with five minutes, then they can increase till they get to, I like people to try to do 10 to 15, maybe 20, depending on what fits in in their lives. For kids, five minutes is great. If you have time for five minutes, that's awesome. And not to be beat yourself up like, oh, I didn't do it today. I failed. But try to do your best and just keep coming back. And over time, you might sometimes people connect it to an activity they already do. So let's say they take a shower every morning. So then they meditate after the shower. So you start to kind of habituate your mind that way. But it's important also with mindfulness to not make it into this like awful thing. Okay, I have to do this because it's a self-improvement project. It's something that, that a lot of people find quite enjoyable and pleasurable. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other thing is um, it's hard to do it on your own. So there's lots of guided meditations and audios out there and apps and like, for instance, at our center, UCLA Center, we have the UCLA Mindful app, and there's all these free meditations, five minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes that people can do. And there's, of course, many more. Yeah, and we will also, on our website after this episode goes up, um, we'll put a couple of resources to get started in meditation and mindfulness if you're interested and you need help. So this was definitely awesome, and um, we have meditated before and we like doing it together, but for our listeners that maybe are new to the practice, could we possibly do a mini meditation together? All right, so wherever you are, we're going to give it a try, and best is easiest if you're seated, and you can just find a comfortable position. Um hands resting where they're comfortable, feet on the floor, your back. If it's possible to be upright, that's great. If it's not, it doesn't matter so much. And if you want to close your eyes, you can. Most people usually close their eyes, so you don't have to if that doesn't feel comfortable. So let's begin by taking a few deep breaths. And as we take these deep breaths, Allowing yourself to just rest a little bit, relax. 
if that's possible, come more into this present moment. You can feel your feet on the ground. Notice the touch of your feet on the ground. There's heaviness, hardness, pressure. And then gently notice any other areas where that are obvious to you physically. There, you might notice your legs against the chair, your back against the chair. Bring your attention to your stomach area. Is your stomach tense or tight? See if you can allow it to soften. You can take a deeper breath. Let your hands be soft. You can relax your shoulders. And notice your face and facial muscles. See if you can also let them soften. We can notice our whole body present. You might notice that your body is breathing. Can you feel your breath moving through your body? You can feel your abdomen rising and falling, or your chest expanding and contracting with each breath. or the air moving through your nose, tingling, warmth, coolness. So let's pick something to focus on, something that is really obvious to you, your breath in your abdomen, your chest, or your nose. Or if you liked some sensation in your body, like feeling your feet on the ground or your hands. Pick whatever is the most obvious to you. They all work equally well. Letting your attention come to rest. Let's say it's on your breath, breath after breath. Your breath is natural, in and out through your nose. And if your attention starts to wander away, you start thinking about other things, it's completely normal. When you notice it's wandered away, bring it back. Just come right back. So let's take another maybe minute just to try to stay with our breathing. And then when your attention wanders, you can even say a word. You can say thinking. And then bring it back to the breath over and over. And now just notice how you're feeling as we bring this to a close. Notice if your body is feeling relaxed. How's your mind? How's your heart? How are you doing? See if you can let whatever is here be here. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes if they're closed or end the meditation. Awesome. That was, I feel, we were following along and I feel really relaxed. What about you, Sinai? I feel really relaxed and calmed down. 
yeah so if um to our listeners if you guys enjoyed that and you want to continue it more again we'll be putting some resources on our website so you can continue and we hope you enjoyed that so with that i think that concludes our investigation for today so that was a really awesome time i think we learned a lot of new interesting things about mindfulness and meditation and that little mini meditation at the end was very fun so we can quickly recap on what we talked about and if we have any points or takeaways that would be awesome yeah so i would just say that meditation there's lots of kinds of meditation Our focus here today was on mindfulness meditation, and meditation is rooted in many different religious traditions and also non-religious traditions. There's lots of people meditate throughout the whole world. Um, And mindfulness has lots of physical and mental health benefits, and we talked some about that. And then we talked about how it may not be for everybody, but to give it a try if you're interested, and maybe you will get some of those health benefits. And then we talked some about um, misconceptions like that your mind is supposed to go blank it's definitely not supposed to go blank and it's not going to solve all your problems but it's a wonderful adjunct or it's really helpful for the other things that you do and then we just talked about doing it bringing it into your life making it a regular part of your day and start with five minutes five minutes is great that works really well and it's helpful to be guided so we're going to give you some resources for that we had a great time we definitely learned a lot and this was Really awesome, still feeling very relaxed after that meditation. Thank you so much for being here. This was really, really amazing to meet you and we are so, so happy we could welcome you for the first episode. Well, it's great to meet you both and thanks for your interest in all you're doing, it's awesome. Of course, thank you so much to our listeners for watching and that is all for today's episode. Until next Next time, time, learners. learners.